You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you inspiration and resources to help you discover and live from your truest self. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries, a nonprofit organization dedicated to helping disciples of Jesus discover and live from their true identity in Christ, recognize and walk in their divine purpose within the kingdom of God, and experience growth in their capacity for mature, healthy relationships. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Ministries, and be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 13 of The Collected Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and this week I'm so excited to welcome author, podcaster, Grace Valentine. Um, Her latest book just came out. It's called, Is It Just Me? Learning to Trust God in the Middle of Hurts, Doubts, and Fears. Um, So Grace, welcome to the show. I am so excited to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, so we just got a copy of your book a couple days ago. And as I started reading it, right away in the introduction, something you said jumped out at me because it's tied so closely to our message that we share every other week here on our show. And you said, I'm not the kind of person you would expect to write a book about faith and life. Perhaps that's what makes God so cool. He uses people like you and me to bring Him glory. He uses our mistakes and mess-ups to make His name great. Um, And I thought that was just a beautiful introduction to who you are. And so I was wondering, as we get started, if you could um, give our audience a little bit about your background and, you know, not necessarily dive too deep into your mistakes and mess ups, but if you want to, you can, but how God captured your life and got you to where you are today. Yeah, well, I mean, so part of the reason I wanted to write books in general, I remember being in high school and going to the bookstore and I would, my books, the bookstore that I loved, Barnes and Noble, right by my house, like was right next to a gas station with the best ICs. So I just remember <laughs> riding my bike, getting an icy, going to the bookstore and just going to the Christian section. And I had grown up knowing about Jesus, but I think just like every girl and every guy too, insecurity creeps in and lies from the enemy just come to distract you. And I remember reading all these great books and they were so great for me. And like, I'm so thankful for the wisdom that they gave me. But I remember being like, man, I just wish someone who's relatable, like, like me, like I never have seen heaven and died. I never did like anything crazy. <laughs> like I, but I have struggled and I do feel insecure. Like I wish girls like me could write books too. And I felt very much like a call in my heart on that day. Like, like mm. if you don't see it, like write it. And so I was in high school then, but then I went to college and just like a lot of people, like you just, you grow up believing about Jesus, but you begin to doubt if God is fun, if God is good at being God and you kind of want to try it all. And so I think just like a lot of people, I just got distracted because in mm-hmm. college, especially there's so many distractions, just trying to steal you away from looking at God and looking at Jesus every day. And so I just got to the point in college where I I redirected my life and it wasn't one big altar call moment. It wasn't one big bibbity boppity boo. And like for some people, it is one moment where they remember when they rose their hand. But for me, I was like, I'm not the person that I want to be. I'm not the person who's living the advice I want to give people. And I just like Mm. fell in love with Jesus again, made it more authentic and less more honest this time. And so then I was like, okay, I always had a dream to write. And so I wrote on a blog and was honest, but then I was like, I'm going to write that book. And I had no idea how hard it was going into it. I just was like a naive college student. who's like, well, if God called me to it. I'm going to do it. Like, yeah. 
I remember it. And then that's what happened. But in general, I just remember feeling a lot of insecurity and just trust issues and struggling to believe that following Jesus was fun because I wanted Mm. all the best of everything, the Hannah Montana, best of both worlds, you know? Um, But then also just believing that I could trust Jesus, like that he Mm. was worthy of my trust, that I have been hurt before, but Jesus wasn't going to hurt me. Mm. Was there any certain thing that, happened or that God took you through that started to change that, change your thinking? Yeah. And allowed you to trust question. God? Well, I will say I grew up and I always struggled with body image. That was like my main thing. And I had an eating disorder and that's still something that I like in my book, my second book, I talk about too. I have two books. My first book, I talk a lot about insecurity when it comes to body image. And I still talk about it in my second book because I think a lot of the struggles that we face, they, they come back up again. Like even mm. when you try your best and you read the scripture, but you have to fight it with scripture and put in the armor of God. Um, yeah. And I will say there was just one night where I woke up after drinking a lot in college and I was like, I'm not living the life I want to be. And I just felt like the conviction. And I think I had been living in shame. So like shame doesn't convict you. Shame mm. makes you feel like you're stuck the way you are. Like, oh, my reputation's bad. Oh, I drink a lot. Like this is just who I am. And I feel bad about it, but it doesn't convict you and cause you to change your life however I think I just felt that conviction in that moment and went to mm-hmm. prayer and that was when I was like okay it wasn't like one moment because I just saw God just soften my heart and give me little signs that he was at work whether it wasn't out whether it was like my friends going on the same journey with me whatever it was and I just felt very clear that it's time to like really know what life's about. And life isn't about living for myself. Life isn't about even looking for fun. It's about finding purpose and finding purpose in my creator and my savior. And that was my main goal. But it's so easy once you're in that world to think, oh, I'm stuck. And that's what shame will tell you. That's what your trust issues tell you. But I had to realize, okay, conviction is a beautiful thing. It's not shame. It's something that causes you to say like, yeah, I don't like the way I'm living, but I want Jesus. Mm, That's powerful. Yeah, I may not like where I'm at, but I want Jesus. I love that. So this is your second book. But will you, before we dive into that, will you tell us a little bit about your first book? Yes. So my first book was called Am I Enough? With a question mark too. So I joking, like all my book titles will always have like, not always, I can't speak for like the future. <laughs> so that's a big promise. Um, well, are now at this point, always questions. And I'm 24. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a young author. I don't know how I even, I'm sure you understand with hosting a podcast. I'm like, people be like, how did this happen? I'm like, I don't fully know. It was just like a couple yeses down the road. And like, now I'm here and they'll be like, how did you do it? I'm like, I really can't, I can't tell you how to make a plan. Cause it's just, it, when you say yes to Jesus, like he takes everyone uniquely mm. on like these cool paths where you lead to places you didn't expect. And so my first book was focused on body image because eating, having an eating disorder is something that I really struggled with. And I still struggle with body image, just like a lot of women do. And just not remembering the purpose of my body. Mm. But in my enough is about so much more than just insecurity with body image. It's about not feeling Christian enough, not feeling successful enough, not feeling even popular enough. Like we can grow up and be in our twenties and forties and fifties. And you're still like, Oh, why does that girl hate me? Oh no. Like, you know, yeah. and so, Oh yeah. We go for that. But then this book, is it just me? I feel like it's like the older sister in a way. <laughs> like it's about now feeling alone. Like loneliness is such mm. a painful and insecure place. And that's where insecurity comes about. Like you feel, is it just me? I'm not going to be honest. I'm going to stick in my, my feelings and my trust issues, I'm going to try to stay there and not actually grow. And so it's kind of about how our lives are growing through and growing through the lessons learned and what God's doing and not just trying to get through it. And I think when you're in college, you're like, 
I just got to get through this semester, this summer, whatever. And when you're younger, you think the same thing about high school and same with being a mom, you go, I just get the terrible twos or mm-hmm. elementary school years. You think the same thing again. And so it's about growing through life and realizing it's not just you. There's people around you struggling who need your story, who need yeah. to hear what you've been through. And there's also a God in front of you and you're not alone because he's there with you and he wants to pull you out of that. But you have to be able to look at him in the eye and take those steps towards him. Okay, that you said so many good things. I know. So, I, I realized that after I was talking like, about <laughs> so fast, but I love it. And some things that really stood out to me. One, this is not in any particular order, but the first thing you said, I feel like someone out there really needed to hear that, like that idea that your story is important. That it doesn't matter if you feel too young or too old or too busy or too stressed. Like the story God's given you matters. And you said that kind of in a different way, but I wanted to kind of settle on that for a second too and let someone out there hear the truth, like God speaking to you, that your story is not forgotten, that Mm. someone else out there needs the story you have to offer as well. And then another thought I had, um, you know, your first book was Am I Enough, right? Yes. Was that, am I enough? And I feel like from the way you're describing your process in the second book being about loneliness, is it kind of also answering the question, like, God, are you enough to like fill mm. the loneliness, to fill the voids, to fit like, it sounds like we're kind of digging into that question of like, okay, God, now I'm learning who you say I am, but who are you? And are you going to be enough in my loneliness, in my need, in my grief? Is that kind of fair? No, exactly. And I think that's that's the thing is I, I tell girls all the time because some people will be like, I'm so lonely right now. Like, oh no. And I'm like, you may be lonely. Like and this may be a lonely chapter. It's not about, it's a bad chapter, not a bad story. And you have to understand mm. that your author is good. That yeah. like right now you are in a lonely season, but you have to trust God and put yourself out there in a way that reflects his love that mm-hmm. you're not giving, don't give up on God because you don't see the blessings instantly. Like God is always at work. I think of, even though Easter was like long ago at this point, um, which is not that long ago, but um, I think of like the silent Saturday, you know, the in-between mm-hmm. and like how the disciples must have felt when they witnessed, they were with Jesus, saw all these miracles, and then he died on the cross. They watched it happen. Um, and then they had one Saturday, or not technically a Saturday, but just a day where they didn't know what was going to happen, you know, just that feeling the second day. And I think sometimes we're in that season. We're in that silent mm-hmm. Saturday. We're in the in-between, and we're in a lonely season. We're in a growing season. But it's about understanding that, yeah, God is enough, that God is out there, and he wants you, and you aren't alone because he is there. And like that is enough and he'll lead you to where you're supposed to be but you have to trust him in that moment and that we all have trust issues and baggage because of past hurts or present doubts or future fears and but we have to still choose to say yes to God today and to realize like yes this is a bad chapter I don't feel like I have my people yet I don't feel like I have this yet but I know I have Jesus yeah. Amen. And uh, you said you're 24. I recently turned, well, now back in January, 34. No, and, I'm yeah. looking at you on Zoom. There's no way. I oh, was guessing you. in my head you were like 26, 27. I oh, literally made Thank my- you. Um, but, and our listeners have heard a lot of my story, you know, as I've shared it throughout the years. Um, but I'm still single. I'm in a 
great yes. dating relationship now, but you know, I'm still not oh, engaged. I'm so not I don't know why I say, I was about to say congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. No, but, but it's a big awesome. deal. Praise God for yes. blessing you in that way. Well, and I had such a string of unhealthy relationships and nothing mm. against any of the guys I dated in the past, if you're out there listening. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they're not. But um, it, it was mainly like my unhealth that I didn't recognize. But like all that to say, the story God has taken me on, I always thought I would be married like in college or right after and start having babies. And like that wasn't my story. But the things he's taught me along the way are so much richer than I could have ever imagined. And he could have done it through marriage, I'm sure. But looking at where I am now, I wouldn't trade a moment of it. And there was such loneliness, especially, you know, in your 20s, you go to so many weddings and it's just like, God, yeah. when is it going to be my time? I literally was a bridesmaid last weekend and now I'm a bridesmaid <laughs> this weekend too. Like, yes. I'm like, at that point in my life. You're in that but, season. Yes. And, you know, I just had to keep reminding myself these truths that are in your book of like God is faithful and he's using this and he's using this story and he's showing me who I am and more about who he is. So then when it is right, if, if it's ever right, if that's what God has for me or for any of us, then it'll be so much better than we could have ever imagined. I think. Mm. No, 100%. I even say like, a, a tear today is a thank you tomorrow. Like, mm. I, like there are times rejection is real, truly God's protection. And I think so many times in my life, I even remember thinking the same thing too. I was the girl in high school. People were like, you're going to go out to college and like find a Christian husband. I'm like, stop it guys. Really? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're going to, you think that's going to happen? And like, obviously it didn't happen, but I know for me, God thinks knows my personality so well. And I don't know if I would be writing books if I wasn't single. If I didn't have this, I would, you know, I, not like saying you need to, if you're married, you can't do that. But I know my personality, I probably wouldn't have tried. Like mm-hmm. I, I dreamt of being a wife and a mother in my whole life. I think I would have, and that's great. That's a great way to do ministry. But like, yeah, like I agree with what you're saying. Like that there's so much that God leads you to that you expect that comes from your plans not working out. And mm-hmm. If you trust him, then you'll see it, but you have to be willing to trust him and you have to trust him, not just in the like, okay, I don't know what's going on in the waiting, but even in the heartache, even in the nose and the frustration. Yeah. yeah, that is so true. Is there something you would say currently, like since the book has come out and since you're in this process now, is there anything in your life that you feel like the Holy Spirit is working to transform in you now? Wow, that's a great question. I would say right now, I feel the Holy Spirit is very much telling me that you can be gentle and bold at the same time. Mm-hmm. I think I have always, I grew up thinking I had to like, in a culture where I was trying to be the good little church girl, where I would like not share my opinions. I would just try to keep people happy. But then I think I took the boldness route maybe too much in the in the future where I forgot to be gentle. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like now I'm, I'm in the season where I'm like, you can be gentle and bold. Like I can be talkative in my extrovert self And you can also be introverted and still bold, you know, like it's Mm -hmm. the boldness can be given with gentleness and whatever tone, like you can be the girl, you're not too much. You're not, I, I talk a lot and fast as people have already witnessed, which I'm still working on the fast talking on podcasts. I just get really excited. And so, um, it's okay. They can slow us down. They can listen to you on halftime. I laugh. Because on my podcast, I had a friend who once told me, she goes, I just always have my podcast on 1.5 speed. And then I turned on yours and I was like, no way. (laughs) We don't need it any faster. But 
anyways, I very much look back and that's something that I feel like this year, the Lord has taught me. Mm. And also just in COVID times where loneliness was so real, I feel like for a lot of us, especially single people and especially people like just not seeing your friends that I have to trust that like, I, I have, can't be the one who's afraid to FaceTime first. I can't be the one afraid to text someone first. And I think in COVID times, it's easy to just sit here and mope and be sad and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad. No one's reaching out to me. But I had to be like, okay, I may be the one who starts a conversation or who asks to get lunch. And like, I may not always be invited, but I can invite. And like, mm-hmm. that, that's something I can control. And I'm not going to, and I usually have people be like, oh, I didn't, was scared to invite too. Like, I didn't know if you were too busy. And I'm like, if we just all invited more and weren't afraid to be the one who does it first, even it's funny. It's not even like a boy. It's like a girl's like, you know, you're like, I, I w- want to get lunch with you, but I'm scared. Like we still think those things. And so not being afraid to be that person is something I've also learned a lot this year. Mm, that's good. I had the same, a similar prayer years ago for gentleness. Like I always believed that lie that I was too much, that I needed to tone myself down, that I was too loud, too energetic, too bubbly, you know, not deep enough or whatever. And I just started praying for gentleness. I feel like one day the Lord very gently told me, Jess, you already have it. Like, Mm -hmm. who are you to say that the way you're living your life isn't loud, but also like sweet and kind and, you know, a gentleness in the way you approach people. Like, you know, don't define things just one way. So mm. I, I really, yeah, that was my word of the year for 2020 was gentle. And I felt the same way too. I was like, I feel like sometimes I rub people the wrong way. And I was, and I, I felt the Lord tell me to like, obviously not little literal words, but just the right. idea that like, I may rub people the wrong, people may not like me, but I'm not, call like it's okay if they don't like me I don't have a control of that but am I being myself and my my loudness makes other people feel welcomed like my like so just kind of understanding that what one person may just not not prefer like is someone else's making someone else feel open and safe and Mm so yeah I try to remember See, the kingdom needs all of us. And exactly. God will use and I need my introverted people too. Yes. We I say my best friends them. are always introverted. So, so if you're listening, I promise. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. So would you say there was a point where you really realized then kind of you were made for this work that you're doing now? Well, going back to kind of how I said earlier, I, well, so when I was in high school, I was like very much weird at my freshman and sophomore year. And I believe that a lot of times our high school dreams are like kind of what leads us to like where God's showing us like kind of the little giftings we start to feel. And so when I was in high school, I like kind of switched and that's when I became really insecure, but obsessed with my looks. And so spent way too many days in the tanning bed, which is so not healthy. No one do it. But like I was in high school in South Louisiana and the tanning bed was so common. <laughs> it made me so much prettier in people's eyes, but not good for my skin. But um, started to get highlights, started to work out too much where I was obsessed with it. And slowly, I honestly gained quote unquote high school popularity. Whoopee, like doesn't mean anything in the real world. No token for me. Um, ended up my senior year's class president was on homecoming court, prom court. It was just like ironic. I was like, I was literally the bullied ninth grader. Like if you look at pictures, it's like a whole different person, but I've never been so insecure in my life. And I actually spoke at my high school graduation because I was president. I was not valedictorian still to this day. People like think I was valedictorian. Um, but I 
after I spoke, I did a little selfie and it went viral. It sounds silly. This was when like the selfies were so popular. Like Ellen took a selfie at the Oscars, et cetera. Oh yeah. So I did my speech. I had a deep thought. And at the end, like it was fun. People were like, great speech. And I was like, in my, I said to God, I was like, that would be so cool. God, if I could do that for you one day, but like, there's no woman speakers or like writers out there really. Like there's no one who really does this. Like it's a woman, but like, man, and if I had my faith, right. Like I know I'm really insecure right now. And I know I don't feel confident, but that would be cool. And so mm-hmm. I just watched the Lord kind of remove all those like lies that like I, as a woman couldn't do this, like that no one wanted to hear a woman speak um, or write. And so, and then I just watched like the Lord, like redeem that. And I thought of the little girl who looked, went to Barnes and Nobles and was like, I can't find something I relate to. And I'm like, my, one of the quotes I stand by is be who you needed when you were younger, you know? And so mm. I think of that little girl who I needed and that's what I strive to be like a big sister, friend kind of writer. I'm not going to be the right, like there's so many writers who are older and wiser than me who will be great. But if you're looking for like a relatable, like I get it, this is a lesson learned from my mistake in dating, my mistake in life, my mistake in this and like, or even just my perspective and understanding, like that's who I strive to be. And that's where I felt that calling for that. Yeah, that's great. And one thing you talk about is the 10 truths about our past hurts. So, you know, kind of speaking to women and maybe younger women or just really any women, um, what, what are some of those 10 truths that you've discovered? Yeah, I would say they all relate to the idea of like, well, rejection is God's protection. Um, the idea that like, like I said earlier, it's here today is a thank you tomorrow. Like your past hurts, like they don't they like help lead you to where you're supposed to be mm-hmm. i'm trying to even remember that off my top of my yeah, head no, um, you're good. So long. but just the idea i think that like our past hurts are in the past and that we have to live in the future i'm um, live in the present and see the blessings in our present i always get the mental picture that like if i'm literally looking over my shoulder at all the things that have been done in my past like then i'm gonna miss out on the blessings of my present and one of the best examples i have of this was when I was in college, I met like my amazing best friends who I saw all last weekend when I was a bridesmaid for one of them at a wedding. And I'll forget I had shared bunk beds because I was broke like most college kids in college with my best friend, Britta. And there was her phone was on like the bunk bed and I saw a text, like a group text without me. And I remember freaking out because in high school, I always remember these group texts without me, people talking about me in them. And like, just that insecurity, like every teenage girl remembers those moments, like the group text without you. And you're like, ah, it's an anti-grace group text. And so I saw this happen and I was like, oh my gosh, it's an anti-grace group text. They all hate me. They're mad at me. Like, I started weeping. <laughs> I'm laughing because it gets good, guys. Okay, <laughs> like, it's not like it. So I finally approached my friend Britta. I'm like, just tell me what I did was wrong. Like, I know it's about me. I know you're probably talking about me. And I was so nervous. And then she goes, Grace, like we were trying to throw you a surprise half birthday party Aww. because your birthday's in the summer and we we're going to do it on Mardi Gras because you're from New Orleans and you never get Mardi Gras here. And we were trying to have fun and we, we missed you, like not missed you. Like it was like we cared about you. And yeah. I was like, wow, I just literally took a moment, like ruined a surprise for me. One, like barfed up all my insecurities on people who did nothing wrong. I'm not saying if you see a group text that you don't approach them. I needed to approach them about it or I would forever wonder. Mm-hmm. But I just think it's so ironic that I took 
all my past hurts and projected on people who hadn't hurt me. And so there's a quote that's like, don't bleed on those who didn't hurt you. You know, like we mm. have these cuts and these scars, but we also have a God who's like, like knitting together our lives and like everything happens for a reason and you're in a new season. And it's so important to embrace that and not do that. So that's kind of what I think about past hurts is like, when you see group text without you, you don't freak out just because it's <laughs> happened to you before. Like, it's like, yes, there is wisdom that grows from lists and learns, but also you serve a God who makes things new and new mercies every day. And like, mm-hmm. he's always at work. Yeah. And, you know, you use the group text example, but I think that's so common in our relationships where we carry past hurts mm-hmm. into them. And then it's like we self-destruct. Like I bring in this dysfunction or this pain from one person and then I end up destroying something that could have been possibly good. I think that's why it's so important to like really address the hurt that's happened and not avoid it. But, you know, and sometimes that happens through a conversation and dealing with, you know, directly with the people like in the group text, or sometimes we need some therapy. Like we need some help to really like work through these hurts and see what the root of it is. See what, what lies I'm really believing, um, about myself or about God. Cause I think a lot of our hurts also stem from kind of back to that idea of not believing God is enough or not believing he will really restore or provide or protect. Um, and kind of asking that question, like, God, where were you when I was being left out? And, um, you know, when he was there all along, but sometimes it takes a lot of work for us to be able to see that, you know? Yeah. Oh, completely. And I like what you said about relationships too, as in, this, I mean, I've seen so many friends who've been like cheated on by a guy and then like, oh no, he looked at her and jealousy starts to come. And I'm like, and a lot of the girls I've been cheated on, like, it's just like a common thing. And you have to realize you, I can't go on a first date and start assuming that he's looking at someone else. I'll, like another example of, I'll never forget, I went on a date like two summers ago with this guy. We went on like four or five dates and I was so confused because he hadn't kissed me. And I was like, why has this guy not made a move? Like, this is so weird. And like, hearing him this Christian author, I'm like, why is he not even trying? Because I had heard he like had a crazy past. And I'm like, I'm going to have to be like boundaries. Like, you know, and then this whole time he wasn't even making a move. And finally I realized I like you accept the way you want, you start to expect the way you once accepted treatment. Mm. And so like, we have all accepted being treated and settling for something below our worth. And we, we, we've been hurt by that. When you settle for something below your worth, you're going to feel cheap. You're going to feel used. You're going to be hurt. And so we've all accepted that before. So then we start to expect it to happen again. And so you have to realize that what I once accepted was not good. That was not worthiness. That was not Jesus. That was not what he wants for me. That is not love that is based on him. And so that when something like a guy not kissing you, you're not like, what happened? Like you expect people to respect you. You expect people to give you boundaries. And so I think that's so important in the future when you get things. Yeah, I agree. So we are kind of wrapping up. I wanted to give you a chance to, like, do you have any certain word of encouragement or is there anything I miss that is really just that God is laying on your heart right now to encourage or maybe challenge our listeners out there? Well, I'll just say to any person out there who has past hurts or who has rejection or who just looks back on your life and you remember the high school, college, like young mom, young single professional woman, whatever it is. Uh, be who you need when you are younger. I think if you're looking for purpose, if you're looking for why did God 
make me go through this. Nothing like a conversation with someone who's struggling in the same department as you will make you feel important. And I know for Mm. me, it doesn't have to be like a speaking or writing a book, but like the idea of sitting one-on-one with a girl going through that, like look for ways to serve. I struggle with finding purpose. And then once you start leading a group of younger girls or just even a, a pure led Bible study, you're like, man, now I get why I had all these past hurts because it's helped me have this conversation right now with this girl going through the same exact thing. Like mm. life would be better without that. So I just want to encourage anyone here today who's just feeling like, man, that sucked when I went to that breakup, when I went through that. And I'm noticing that has affected my future mindset. Start giving advice to younger girls, but also be willing to take the same advice you give. Like you have to, like you have to look that out. If you're telling her that she's worth more than being cheated on, you're not going to be accept, accept being cheated on again. You know, you have to believe that. So that's kind of like, I just wish I could tell everyone over here, be who you needed when you're broken, when you're younger and you'll find true purpose. Mm. That's good. And we say a lot at Collected that like, it's just about the next first yes. Like what is your next first step to give God your yes? And I think that's an awesome, very tangible first step that people can do. Because sometimes it seems so abstract of like finding your identity or finding your passion, but that's awesome. No one, I mean, we're nearing a hundred episodes and no one has ever put it like that. I love that. So thank you. Oh, well, I'm so honored to be <laughs> yeah. one of the that's a hundred. Yes, yes. Um, so I know I said that was my last one, but I thought of one more uh, question because we um, every summer do a camp for middle school and high school girls, and it's focused on creativity and identity and discovering who they are in God and who God created them to be. And because that's one thing, you know, when I think of what my younger self would have needed, something like that, like starting at a young age to learn the truth of who God is and who, how he sees me. Um, so some, we do have some very, you know, young middle school and high school, high school girls, uh, listeners. So I was wondering for the girls who are in the thick of that in middle school, in high school, struggling with those things, what do you have for them? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll say, well, I mean, it's a classic commercial you see on like TV. It's like, it gets better. Like it really does. Um, that I want to say, if I could tell every middle school and high school, that innocence is beautiful. I think, mm. I think you start in social media, makes it weird. You already know things you shouldn't know. Um, but literally innocence it's okay if you have gone too far or whatever like you're so loved but if you have it I remember being like I need a first kiss I need this like no like wisdom doesn't come from experience it comes from the Holy Spirit and so mm-hmm. understanding that like you can get wisdom and you can get lessons like you can learn truth and not learn get experience doing things that everyone else may be doing and life is not a race and that if people make fun of you for the innocence I promise you that they will they admire it deep down. And that's something I wish someone had told me because I remember thinking I had to like get experience with things. Um, But also just that like, you're not done growing yet. Like you serve a God who like your story has just begun, literally just begun. Like you have not even been on this planet long. And so just watch the way he leads you to where you're meant to be, but don't feel like you're behind. Don't feel like because you don't look a certain way like the rest of your peers. Like you're going to change. You're going to look different in five years, 10 years. And so there's so much more to life than being popular and pretty and all that. I, and also you can't always be the prettiest girl in the room, but you can be the kindest and you mm. can be someone who sh- wears the fruit of the spirit. Like 
it is limited to in 2005 again or something, but like strive to be that girl. And so, man, there's so much I wish I could tell every middle school and high schooler out there. So I like that they're listening. In oh, that was amazing and so powerful. And I know I said, you know, something geared for middle school and high school girls, uh, but that's for anyone. Like everything you said, doesn't matter how old or young you are, that is truth and that is powerful. Um, Grace, thank you so much for being on the show. It was such a delight to talk to you and get to know you a little bit more. And yes, I had so much fun. So thank you for having me. Thank you. And where can people find you on um, the socials? Yes, the socials. Well, I'm on Instagram. It's at the Grace Valentine. I have a blog and website too. And that is www.gracevalentine.org. Um, and then Twitter is at GraceV96. But yeah, that's mainly where you can find me. Sounds um, nothing good. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> and we'll link all of those in our show notes and on our blog as well. Um, oh, thank you. It was thank so you, great hanging out with you, Jess. You too. Hey, Collected Family, Jess here again. Um, Grace is off now, but what a great conversation. And oh gosh, just her energy and spirit and joy is so infectious. And I loved when she was talking about, she mentioned Easter, and um, we recorded this a little behind the scenes on April 13th, even though uh, it comes out April 22nd. But it uh, got me thinking again about the Easter message at my church this year. And, you know, Grace was mentioning the, the silent Saturday and the darkness of that, um, specifically for Mary. Our pastor this Easter was talking about, um, you know, Mary had been set free by Jesus from seven demons. She owed Jesus everything. I mean, like we all do. And when he died, the the trauma of that for her, of like everything she believed in, everything she thought was going to take place ended then. And the darkness that she must have experienced because her script was completely interrupted by the death of Jesus um, and all those hopes and dreams were gone, she thought. Um, and I feel like so many of us experience times like that where our script is interrupted, where the path we thought we were on is gone and something has died. Um, it could be something very small. It could be something very large in our lives. Um, but in John 20, eight, uh, 11 through 18, where this story is unfolding, there's one line that says, in the morning while it was still dark, there was literal darkness because it was, you know, still nighttime. But there was also the darkness of knowledge. Mary and the disciples didn't know the full plan. They didn't know what was coming later that day. You know, we're at Sunday now. But in the darkness, God was at work. God had told them many times what would happen, but they couldn't understand because they were caught in their own grief. They were caught in their their own expectations, like Grace was talking about, their own story of how they thought things should play out. And they couldn't see outside of their limited perspective. Um, but my pastor then went on to talk about how God does some of his best work when no one is looking, when it feels like a time of darkness or lack of understanding in our lives. And by the time that Mary arrived at the tomb, God had already atoned for all the sins of the world. 
So <laughs> talk about God do some of, his, some of his best work in the darkness when no one is looking. Like what gets better than that? The kingdom of God had come to earth and no one even realized it. His promises were fulfilled, but Mary was still unaware and lost in her grief and her unmet expectations. And all of it changed for her when Jesus said her name in John 10, 3. And Mary said, or and Jesus says to her after he says her name and she recognizes who he is and the veil is lifted and she realizes what has happened. Jesus says, don't cling to me telling Mary to let go of what she thought, that his purpose, that, or sorry, uh, to let go of what she thought was his purpose and rather cling to who he is and not these expectation, expectations she had of the past, but rather his kingdom purpose that was so much bigger than anything that Mary could have originally thought was going to happen to her and to the world. And so I just want to leave you with that encouragement that God does some of his best work in the dark, that we don't often know what is unfolding when we can't see it, but God is continually working on our behalf and for the good of his kingdom, which is ultimately our good, um, and that we have nothing to fear because he's got a plan and he's working it out, and we may never see all the fruit of it on this side of eternity, but God is working on your behalf. Um, so I want to leave you with that today. I'm sending you lots of love. Um, please share this. If you liked it, rate, review, um, five stars, please. That helps us be discovered and um, gets our name out there a little bit more. Yeah, that's all I have for you. So I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. If you would like to support Collected by making a tax-deductible contribution, please visit collectedministries.org slash donate. The Collected Podcast is also on Patreon at patreon.com slash thecollectedpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Become a patron for as little as a dollar a month to gain access to bonus content, early bird ticket sales, giveaways, and more. You can also find Tia at Tia McNelly Notes and Jess at Spreza Foundry. Collected proudly supports and partners with Flourish Kenya, a nonprofit working to support and prevent unplanned adolescent pregnancy in rural Kenya. Learn more at flourishkenya.org. The Collected Podcast is produced by Jess Biondo and edited by Jacob Early. Music is by Asaf Elan.